Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast. This is the show that takes a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. Aaron, happy family day. Happy family day to you too, to you, Cynthia, your boys, everyone. Happy family day. Yeah, you as well. And uh, nice that we're recording on two special days in a row because we did Valentine's Day last week. And, and for those of you not in Ontario, family day is a day where we're supposed to hang out with their families because there was no holidays in, in February. <laughs> I'm actually glad they made it a stat. It's nice to have the day off work, isn't it? Do you hear me complaining? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So we've got a real eclectic show today. We're doing New York City, uh, Moscow. And did you know this is the second time I was just checking our archives. This is the second time we've traveled to Moscow. And we've have we gone to Australia yet? I don't think we have, so we're going to have so we to do need that. To, we need to get there soon because we. I mean, I love I love going to Russia. It's, although right now it's a bit tense, but we'll go back in time, so we should be fine. Yeah, exactly. No, well, no, actually, it's no, it's not really. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty tense this story, but. Uh, <laughs> and then we're going to wrap up the show with uh, a stop in your neck of the woods, right? We're heading to Toronto and Oshawa, more specifically, right? Good old Oshawa, yeah. They, they never called it that when I was a kid, you know. No. That's that's totally new, by the way, just saying. Well, let's hit the road. All right. It's a new year, and it's a brand new Wayback Music Machine. CD player? Check. GPS? Double check. Roll bar? They're on the way. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we're getting ready for another rock and roll road trip. Are you ready, my friend? I'm always ready. Well, in that case, buckle up, because it's road trip time. So let's go to uh, New York City first, I think. I always like visiting there and uh, looking forward to when we can see this gentleman uh, in person. And I'm not going to give it away, but I'm sure people have figured out who we're talking about. <laughs> One of your favorites. One of oh. your favorites. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so we should go back here to February 21st, 1964, and... This is actually a pretty cool moment in Billy Joel's history, so let's take a trip. I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, this takes place a couple of weeks after the Beatles made their debut on the Ed Sullivan Show, and certainly for this young man who has talked about the impact the Beatles had on him as a musician and as a writer. Of course, we're talking about Billy Joel. And uh, he he was doing something in 64 in this date, and something, what happened this date? Well, and, and just to go back to Ed Sullivan for a moment, he actually said that was the moment when he saw the Beatles that he decided, I'm going to you know, enough of this high school stuff. I'm going to become a professional musician. And I think a lot of uh, teenagers were in the same boat. But this date in 1964, February the 21st, is when Billy Joel joined a band called The Echoes. And unfortunately, this band uh, had a few problems with their names, didn't they? It's almost uh, like Spinal Tap, really. But to their credit, they didn't have any drummers spontaneously combust. And <laughs> I just I just want to say the Beatles were not responsible for a lot of people dropping out of school. I think it's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, Billy, though, decided that he was going to become a professional musician, but he joined a band called the Echoes. And here's the problem is that, you know, when and I'm telling people out there now, like take a Google the Echoes. 
and you're going to pull up the other band called mm-hmm. the Echoes, not Billy Joel's um, band, right? And that's right. They had uh, there was a group that that had a hit called Baby Blue back in 1961, who were the Echoes. And so, of course, Billy Joel's group, the Echoes, had to change their name. And uh, who did they become next? Well, they became. They wanted to echo the. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> By the way, what, what's also interesting is if you Google Baby Blue, which was the Echoes' big hit, you're going to come up with Badfinger's hit named Baby Blue, which is nothing, not, not even the same song. So, you know, there's all these coincidences, right? But, anyways, the Echoes became the Lost Souls. But there was a problem with the Lost Souls, wasn't there? Oh, there certainly was, because <laughs> there was another band called the Lost Souls. I told you this is like Spinal Tap here. So they had to change their name again, and uh, the record label came up with the unfortunate name of uh, the Commandos, which they hated. I, I remember. I don't uh, blame them. No, what a horrible name. But, wow. uh, you know, they felt like they had little choice, so they went with the Commandos, and I don't think they did very much did they did they even release any music or not they released a couple of singles right like on local labels and there was a lot of that back in that time when you know we sometimes think that independent records are something current and they're not they would they've been around forever right so um but i don't think they're going to be on spotify no exactly and so uh you know he came uh, he was with the commandos for a little while and um got out and and then he went solo and signed that awful record deal which he tried to escape and and he went out to los angeles and was working in los angeles at a piano bar under a pseudonym right and um he was working in as william martin i think out in los angeles but one of his uh, there was a bootleg of one of his great songs called uh, captain jack which is one of my favorite billy joel songs uh, floating around and record executives tracked him down in la and brought him back and that, and that launched his career and and when he was playing in L.A., did that not also, like, was the reason or the inspiration for uh, Piano Man? It was totally the inspiration for Piano Man, yep. Uh, all the uh, personalities that he would run into in this bar that he was playing in. So, uh, but he did come back, and, uh, well, he hated Los Angeles. He said he's a New York born and bred, right? I got to agree with him there. <laughs> but he had, he had some real issues uh, with his record label early on you know he signed that terrible deal and he ended up thankfully being able to get out of it but he was giving away like so much money well but again you know when you're young and you don't necessarily have the best business advice and let's face it we're talking about a time when well i mean it's not the same time but uh, do you remember willie nelson sold the song crazy for 50 bucks oh yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you know things like that happened and and it's 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 a shame but on one hand, it's a shame, but on the other hand, it kind of gives people their break. And and uh, he, Billy, was very smart in kind of building on that, you know. And he look where he is now. I mean, he's doing Madison Square Garden once a month, you know, selling out. Well, yeah, that's pro- the most successful arena tour or arena show in history, right? It is. There's nothing that compares to that. Well, how can you compare it to monthly shows? Of the, I mean, it's just it's it's insane when you. I mean, if someone said to you, "Hey, Tony, there's going to be an artist who's going to play monthly." at a massive stadium for how many years now like oh, it's just crazy it, yeah it's nuts and um so i've seen uh, because he's the only non-hockey player who has a jersey uh, <laughs> hanging in the rafters right uh yeah, i love this story yeah and uh he's the only one and he um i'm trying to remember because he broke springsteen's record and i think they retired his uh 
jersey. So there is a, a Billy Joel jersey hanging up there, and I've seen it. It's very cool. Bruce Springsteen broke Billy Joel. No, no Billy Joel broke. Billy, yeah, Billy Joel broke Bruce Springsteen's uh, cello record, and uh, you know because he's from New York as well. Uh, but they decided to honor Billy with a with a jersey up in the rafters. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's very cool. That's very. I just wish I and I know I've said this before and I'll say it again. I I really wish he would do some new music. You know, I I love his stuff and and uh, it's been a lot far too long for new music from Mr. Joel. But uh, you know, I guess he's happy doing what he's doing, right? Yeah. It, well, I mean, I think the show's keeping him pretty busy, but he's got his other passions as well, right? He his motorcycles and all that stuff, and he loves boating. So he probably between his hobbies, he probably doesn't have time to come up with uh, new music. You know. <laughs> And and you know what? More power to him. The man, he was a workhorse in the seventies. I mean, you look at his his the amount that he put out during the nineteen seventies. You kind of have to go. Okay, he 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 deserves the break. But I'm just saying, like as a as a fan, as someone who admires his music, it yeah. would have been nice to hear some new music from him, right? Well, and he's so brilliant live. You know that that songs from the attic is such a great little album. Well, you know what's funny when you say that is um, about two weeks ago, I was at our local value village here and I picked it up on CD for like a buck 25. Oh, did you? Yeah. No, it's a, it's terrific. Those are. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's a fantastic uh, collection of live performances. Now, what did you pick for the charts this week? Well, being 64, I thought I'd go back to what Billy would have been certainly um, hearing on the radio here's the funny thing i went to the billboard charts for that week and there was for some inexplicable reason i think there is a reason but i don't know what it is um there was no singles chart so i, I went with the album charts okay and um but the album charts are really interesting because it's a mix it's a mixed bag of things right so number five is an album i believe that you are very familiar with by uh, al hurt called honey in the horn yeah my dad was a big al hurt fan so we had uh, a few albums at home and uh but i remember that one specifically yep that's a classic i mean yeah it's a it's a i think we probably had it too my mom but uh this one we did this album we sure did have when i was a kid was peter paul and mary in the wind blowing in the wind no um <laughs> number three <laughs> Now, this is interesting. Number three is an album called Introducing the Beatles, and it's on a label called VJ Records. And we spoke about this before, that when the Beatles first signed in America, they couldn't get on Capitol Records. A, a small label out of Chicago picked them up, and they put out this album. It did absolutely nothing when it was released. But, of course, after 64 and the Sullivan Show and all that, it goes up as high as number two on the charts. So there you go. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm guessing that it uh, must have gone to number two in a, in a week or two from now, right? It went to number two the next, and it never made it to number one because of the number one album, and I'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, so let's go over the number two one. I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what I said. It's a mixed bag of things, right? Because yeah. you got number two is The Singing Nun with her self-titled album, The Singing Nun. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that song of hers? It was a Dominique. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, Do you know what? I'll tell you the funny thing. I remember that song because in an American Horror Story, there was a there was a show called Asylum. It was a, a series, and uh, this really evil person who ran this insane asylum in New York kept playing Dominique, and I kept, <laughs> I thought, yeah, <laughs> kind of fitting. Uh, and number one was an album by a group called The Beatles called Meet the Beatles, which was their first album for Capitol Records, and it it didn't it, they just introducing the Beatles couldn't nudge it out of number one. So there you go. That's the top five. So Billy would have been exposed to some of that music. I, oh, absolutely. And he uh, was very influenced by the singing nun, was he not? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's where he got the idea for that. Uh, remember that song of his that got banned, Only the Good Die Young? Where, uh, yeah, yeah. 
the church church was, was the, none too happy it's the unofficial sequel to dominique <laughs> and on that note on we, that note on that note um what do you say we go to uh, moscow we're gonna go we're gonna stay with february the 21st but uh, this is a story I could not wait to talk about when I found out that uh, this happened. I remember this too. I'll, I think everybody oh, remembers it. Vividly. vividly yeah, so let's yeah. go to February 21st, um, 2012, and uh, we'll take a look at this story. So we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Stella Panacci. And I'm Bernard Fraser from, from Church, Church of Trees. And you're listening to Way Back. Music Machine Podcast with Tony Stewart and Aaron Badgley. Hey, guys. So here we are. It is February the 21st, 2012 in Moscow. It's very cold. It is very cold. And this is um, a disturbing story. And I I remember this very, very clearly. Um, I think both of us share an interest in, you know, the whole civil rights movement and civil liberties. and, And in Russia, obviously, it's a very different society than what we have here but of course uh we're talking about when the band pussy riot came into the public consciousness all over the world right because they staged a performance at that church uh, at moscow's cathedral of christ the savior and uh, and there's video footage of it because that was you know people had access to uh, phone cameras and things and there, uh, they were stopped by church security officials, and it became. They turned the whole thing into a music video, uh, and it was called "Punk Prayer: A Mother of God mm-hmm. Chase Putin Away." And I mean, that is a ballsy thing to do. Yeah, uh, you know these women. Holy cow! Um, and they actually faced a jail time later on. But uh, well, they were in jail. They actually were jailed. Yep they they spent two years in jail. And yeah. Uh, it's an unbelievable story and you know we're gonna get into a little sidebar in a minute but uh, they said that their protest was directed at the orthodox church uh, leaders support for putin and they were pretty outspoken that they felt that uh, vladimir putin was showing very dictatorial tendencies and and they decided to speak out and it became a a big moment in 2012 and this was this was following when there was glasnos Right, where where it was felt that people could now uh, listen to rock and roll and express their opinions, well, to a point, and and um, these guys paid the price. And um, you know, I just finished reading a book, and it's a uh, it's about how the Beatles rocked the Kremlin. And it, when you read the book, it's not so much about the Beatles, but it's really about music in Russia and mm-hmm. the importance music plays, and it really is a rebel force there. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that a, a lot of the um, rebellions are based around, and I'm not just talking rock and roll, I'm talking pre-rock and roll, you know, the folk music and all that kind of stuff. Well, absolutely, right? And and uh, so Pussy Riot, they, I guess the, the nearest label that they would describe themselves, they call themselves a collective and the membership varies in that band. And um, they call themselves punk which actually they they totally encapsulate the spirit of punk right sticking it to the man oh, yeah. and and uh and uh not being afraid to to speak their minds but like you say paying that price and uh crazy well you know there was a time <laughs> there was a time in this country i listen i was a punk um i think i told you before you know the yeah. spiked hair and i went to protests i protested the cnd i went to the nelson mandela free nelson mandela rallies i was 
protesting left, right, and center. And we constantly, it didn't matter what the government was in power. It didn't matter if it was the liberals or, or Bob Ray or whoever. We questioned them, mm-hmm. you know, we being the collective we. I find now that's kind of gone. And it's kind of like, well, if, if you know, it, it, it's, it's we, there's too much faith put in the government. And it surprises me as an old 57-year-old punk rocker, but, you know. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I, I was hoping we would take this little sidebar because it, it does make you wonder uh, what has happened to our society, you know, um, the original spirit of rock and roll, right? It, it, sticking it to the man was a big part of, of rock and roll as long as rock and roll's been around. I mean, it was a societal changing force that uh, that people absolutely hated and not teenagers, but everybody else. Right? And, I was just watching a show on CNN last night, or two nights ago, about the 60s, and they were talking about the, the hippie movement and, and Haight-Ashbury and such. And they were talking about how, you know, it was, an, it was influenced by the Digger movement out of England. And when you watch it, you realize how much change in the summer of 67. I think we take it for granted, a lot of the stuff that we do now, but it was like huge some of the changes that that happened and, and there were some great clips of jerry garcia and the grateful Dead. not a big fan of them i mean i like some of their music but he made a lot of sense when he was talking i was kind of in, i was impressed with mr garcia and i think he was straight no absolutely <laughs> and you know this band in russia right they they didn't stop their music making there uh in 2012 i mean after they got released from prison uh they came out in 2016 a mm-hmm. few weeks before the results of the election when uh, trump won they came out with that uh, song. I'm trying to remember the title of that because I sent you the video earlier today. And wasn't, yeah. that, wasn't that something? That was great. That was brilliant. I can't remember the name of it either. I know. I'm going to have to find that because, uh, oh, here it is. They released a song called Make America Great Again. And if you that's right. If you haven't seen it, folks, or heard it, watch the video. It is it is highly disturbing. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you right now. But it, it makes the point that, you know, Trump is acting just like Putin was in Russia and, and all these uh, dictatorial tendencies coming out, right? And, I mean, all of the clips that they used were things that were actually said in this song. So, um, boy, uh, pretty disturbing and, and a real sign of what was to come over the next four years. Oh, yeah. They, they call. But you know what, Tony? When, when they were imprisoned in 2012, a lot of, I'm going to say the older musicians, um, couple of younger ones like madonna even spoke out i protest the conviction and sentencing of pussy riot to a penal colony for two years for a 40-second performance extolling their political opinions and and brian adams outrageous pushy riot hashtag pushy pussy riot prison verdict russian singers jail for just speaking their mind even the black keys drummer patrick carney came out you know we'll never be playing a show in russia as long as they imprison innocent musicians for speaking their minds peacefully and that's the thing right people yeah Mm -hmm. and that's the thing it's not like yeah they're they're there performing at the church but they're they're performing right they're singing they're not damaging anything they're not they're they're just making their point and uh which is what music does right you know i love that um that Pete Seeger quote that, you know, music isn't controlled by borders. Like it can't keep it in. I, I don't remember the exact quote, but you know what I mean? Like it is, uh, music has that power to make people question. And, and these girls, they became, uh, international stars from this. Everybody all of a sudden knew who that band was. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, deservedly. So when, what, I mean, I guess, if nothing had happened, if they just done the show and maybe that it would have gone viral a wee bit and it would have been talk about it. But I mean, it was it was pretty heavy handed on the government's part. 
And yeah. I mean, ex- okay, I'm saying heavy-handed very lightly. It's extremely heavy-handed. But um, again, if you read this book about the Kremlin and, and music, it's not all... Did you know, for example, like some bizarre things like in Russia, from 1936 until 1956, the saxophone was banned. Oh, you know what? I'm not surprised by that, right? Because it, of its association with jazz, of course. That's right, yeah. And its yeah. association with, well, with african-american musicians as well because right. uh, russia is not the most tolerant society back then and um that doesn't shock me at all because those same records were banned in germany right yeah but you'd be in jail because you're like you know yeah. <laughs> oh no you play the clarinet so you're okay that's right <laughs> <laughs> do you do you remember did you ever hear of an artist he was big in toronto for a very short time unfortunately he's not with us anymore named bibi gabor no no he was um he escaped from russia with his mum. And he did this great album here, and there's great songs on it called Moscow Drug Club and Yet Yet Soviet, and it's it's a it it's funny on one hand, but on the other hand, it's quite serious. And and unfortunately, as I say, he took his own life after his second album. But um, well worth searching out. BB Gabor. He's not on Spotify, unfortunately, because I guess it was an independent release at the time. But um, anyway, it's well worth searching out. And of course, so, yeah. Uh, you know the Billy Joel connection to this story, right? Is that uh, go ahead? Well, yeah, that Billy uh, did a Russian tour. Mm-hmm. He was allowed behind the Iron Curtain, and uh, some great music came from there. But what was the one song he wasn't allowed to play? Oh, back in the USSR, right? But he did it on his last night. Yeah. The last song he comes out <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's told not to do back in the USSR, and he comes out for his encore. And what does he launch into? Yeah, and that back does that's USSR. Billy, right? And that right there. <laughs> Aaron Stick is, it to the man. is sticking it to the man. That's the spirit of rock and roll. And folks, what's happened to our society? Because we, we seem to just not question anymore. And no. I don't know. So I blame Adele. No, I'm just kidding. No letters. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so what uh, what do you uh, have for the charts here for this story? Well, see, I brought up Adele because she's in this top five. Oh, is she? Well, okay. Yeah, she is. Obviously, there's no charts from Russia at this time. Um, I don't think there's, there's charts now, but um, I did the top five albums in the U.S. of A. And um, number five is a guy named Paul McCartney with a great album called Kisses on the Bottom, which the lyric comes from, I'm going to sit right down and mail myself a letter. Um, number four was The Fray, Scars and Stories. Number four, three, was a, a various artist album called Now 41. Van Halen. Number two, and I've, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank on this album, Tony, A Different Kind of Truth. I, I must have missed it somehow. Yeah, but, I'm drawing a blank on that one, too, actually. Uh, that, yeah, and number one is the aforementioned Adele, with I think it was her first album called 21, right? Yeah, yeah. She's interesting, isn't she? Because uh, she'll take these layoffs and then all of a sudden release a number one record and then yeah. go away for a while and come yeah. back and do it again. Yeah, every five <laughs> or six years. It's just like the groundhog, except it's like instead of... <laughs> It's like every six years she's rearing her head to see if she can sell a million records. You know that she was responsible for the the, the backlog of vinyl, eh? Did oh, really? This? Yeah. So before Christmas, no one could, like I I pre-order albums all the time, and no one could get their albums pressed. Why? Because every pressing plant, every pressing plant in the world, was pressing up her current album. And so like I I ordered an album by Billy Bragg, and it was supposed to come out in September. I got it two weeks ago. <laughs> Oh, really? Well, you know what? I think that's a good time to ring the bell because that's something new that we've all just learned, right? That there you go. Adele held up the vinyl pressing industry. So, <laughs> Damn Adele. But anyway, so 
<laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a break here, uh, a commercial break. I found a, a neat little commercial, uh, a little dated in its depictions of uh, women's roles, but it's from 1964. So let's take a listen to this commercial and we'll be right back. From room to room with dustpan and broom. That's the route of the indoor traveler, upstairs and down, day in, day out. It's often a lonesome road she has to travel, but it needn't be. Not if she has a portable radio. That way she can take a lively companion wherever she goes. With a portable radio, she has delightful company, wonderful entertainment wherever and whenever she wishes. Even the smallest sets are powerful and have excellent tonal qualities. They're light and easy to carry, these modern transistor radios. But they carry a world of pleasure, music, commentary, and a thorough coverage of the news. So why not take advantage of the happiest development of our electronic age? Whether you're traveling indoors or out, take a lively companion wherever you go. Take a portable radio. Times have changed, thankfully, but you know, maybe not, because I know for a fact one listener in particular goes on walks listening to us every day. Now, it's not a portable radio, but uh, she does have her portable system to listen to this podcast. So, you know, she also works all the time, so she's going for a walk before work. But I'm going to try to dig my way out of this one. Um <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go back to 77, to Toronto, and kind of Oshawa at the same time, because a very famous member of the Rolling Stones is arrested at the Toronto Harbour Castle Hotel because he had an ounce of heroin. Um, this was a huge story. Huge. Huge. Massive. Front page. Front page. Toronto Star for days. And, you know, uh, three guesses for people out there who, uh, which member of the Rolling Stones it was. I'm sure it'll be no surprise, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say Bill Wyman. No, no. Um, no. <laughs> Keith Richards, of course, of course, of course. And, uh, you know, he, uh, so the RCMP basically raided his hotel room. He was charged. And actually, he was facing, you know, seven years to life in prison, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, that was a pretty serious conviction back at the time. And uh, he had a good lawyer. Uh, thankfully <laughs> creative lawyer yeah the defense for this it's it's unbelievable right because they they said you know anywhere uh like this this prison sentence but his lawyer a guy named austin cooper said you know prison was necessary only to kick his drug habit or prevent him from committing a crime but he added that his client keith richards was rich enough to fund his habit without stealing that's nice. And was also receiving treatment, which defeated the purpose of a jail term. So there's a defense lawyer doing his job exceptionally well. So uh, Keith avoided Tony, jail term, right? Mm. Tony, do you think Austin Cooper's his real name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just asking. He did avoid, but he avoided jail time very creatively, right? Yeah, he did. So this is where Oshawa comes into play. Now, you must remember the, this show, right? Well, listen, huge 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 in fact my brother stayed out all night to get tickets and, and didn't unfortunately get tickets because there was a, a problem with the, how they sold the tickets that day that's another story for another time but yeah everyone and their brother was trying to get tickets for the show on the Oshawa Civic Auditorium it was called the Blind Date for the Canada, uh, Canadian National Institute for the Blind um, now the Stones were playing but the, the, what's interesting about this story the story has many legs and one of the other legs is the, the opening band was a group called the New Barbarians which was Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones' band so he's opening for himself basically right <laughs> busy guy yep busy guy but here's the thing on 
at the time of the new barbarians barbarians forming ringo Starr drums in some of their concerts so of course the the buzz in oshawa must have been off only, the charts yeah oh my gosh not only are the stones but ringo Starr is going to be here to play drums for you know he didn't show up of course but it was the the, the mayhem in oshawa was just too much too much well, and, and of course, did you mention, I'm not sure if the reason Oshawa was picked was just be, there were no venues in Toronto, right, yeah. available. Yeah. yeah, so the Oshawa Civic Auditorium, which is still there, folks, if you want to go and pay homage to see where the Stones played in Oshawa. But um, it was kind of an interesting time for the Stones because it was, I mean, it was an example where drug culture was being taken very seriously, you know? I mean, there was a lot of bands being busted and, and um, doing like being treated harshly with the, the drug convictions. Well, exactly. And I mean, those convictions for, for normal people, you know, uh, would mean you can't leave Canada, basically. You could never go down to the States, even for like a pot conviction from back then, right? Those stuck with people for a long time. Mm-hmm. Still do. And and it's it was uh, there was some, some comments by Keith Richards about, you know, if I knew they were the RZMP, I wouldn't have let them in. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Keith. I was just watching the Simpsons episode where Keith and Mick Jagger have the Rolling Stone rock and roll camp oh, yeah. and uh, with Tom Petty and, and uh, <laughs> uh, all sorts of people, Elvis Costello and Brian Setzer. And it's just, it's, it's so funny. Um, but when they're, when, when, you know, at one point when they said the camp's going to end and Keith Richards is like, which is coming. Got to put the storm windows up. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? The Simpsons, that show also encapsulates that uh, spirit of rock and roll, doesn't it? Oh, huge, huge. <laughs> well, do you remember when Lisa joined uh, the Pussy Riot? That was a really funny episode. It was like, <laughs> oh boy, those yeah. guys. We're making connections all over the place here today. So, Segways, segways. Yeah, look at that. Now let's segue into the album charts. How's that? So what did you pick? I did this again because I, I'm always thinking of you because I know how much you love the randomness that is the UK charts. <laughs> They're all over the place. Yeah, I thought you would really like this chart. So I'm looking at the top five UK albums. Uh, number five at this time. Number five is Leo Sayer, Endless Flight. Of course, huge. Leo Sayer was big. Number four is the, the various artists soundtrack to Evita, the, the play in London. <laughs> number three. Slim Whitman, Red River Valley. Oh my god. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't even know what to say. And number two is first week on the charts, and it doesn't get to number one, Pink Floyd Animals. Wow. It's kept from number one for a few weeks by the Shadows. They're 20 Golden Greats. Now, for those of you who don't know the Shadows, they were an instrumental band from the early 60s. And Keith, uh, not Keith, that's Freudian slip. Cliff Richards was their lead vocalist when they had a vocalist. And this instrumental 1960s rock album outsold Pink Floyd. I, I just, it blows me away. Well, this is in 79, Tony. Yeah. And can you imagine if uh, Pink Floyd had been told that they'd be sharing the uh, charts with uh, Slim Whitman? <laughs> and, 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 uh, Evita. And uh, The Shadows. I'm 77, not 79. I apologize. But it's a really funny chart, isn't it? Yeah. So February 27th, uh, 1977. Yeah, that, that yeah. chart is absolutely hilarious. I know. It just cracks me up. And I thought, Tony will love this chart. Only because of the, you know, you can't make this up with Slim Whitman being number three. No. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, hey. I didn't realize that he had a big uh, following in the UK. Well, it was his yodeling. <laughs> <laughs> 
what do you say we yodel over to our from Memphis to Merseyside moment? How'd you like that segue? That was that was. Be- I, excuse me, I got to wipe the tear out of my. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful, my friend, beautiful. So again, we managed to uh, tie in both uh, Elvis and the Beatles. So let's do our from Memphis to Merseyside moment, and we'll be right back. Now, for this Memphis to Merseyside moment, we're going to February the 25th, 1956. And this is a time when Elvis Presley is just starting to become a national star. And I bet you if you polled people and you said, what was Elvis's first big national hit? They would never remember this song, don't you think? I told, well, it doesn't get played very often. I, I'm, and it's a song I love, by the way. But oh, yeah, you're right. I, I love it too. So the, even the title's great. The title is called I Forgot to Remember to Forget. And it went to number one on the country and western charts, actually. And I think I told you that I saw Elvis's, um, uh, you know, exhibit at the uh, Country Hall of Fame as well, right? So No. When were you at the Country Hall of Fame? In Nashville? In Nashville, yeah. I never know you went there. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's fair. I went. I was there on a high school band trip. We went there, gosh, seven years ago, maybe. That is very cool, Tony. I mean, I knew you were in Nashville. I didn't know you went to the, um, the what was the Hall of Fame like? Oh, it's great. It's great. It's totally different than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, of course. But uh, yeah, Elvis has got a little section there. It's really, really cool. Now, that record, I forgot to remember to forget. Was that on RCA? That was on Sun, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was it, on Sun. It was on Sun, but then didn't RCA re-release it? I have to check on that. They did later on, but when it made number one on the country charts, it was actually it was still on Sun Records, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's very cool. And uh, you know, that's the thing about Elvis back then is is he, it was pretty hard to pin him down uh, in one style of music, right? Because uh, that, that's what part of what made him great. But uh, this is squarely in the country camp. This song, but you know what I was noticing when I was listening to this song is, wow, uh, Buddy Holly really channeled Elvis uh, with some of the vocal stylings that he did just shortly after this, actually. Didn't you find? Well, he was a huge fan of Elvis, and they toured together, and they did some shows together. And, yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, it's – and going back to your point, I mean, Elvis was still doing everything – you know, look at at the early 70s when Kentucky Rain made the country charts and – things like that he he always had his one foot in the country sometimes he would do some rhythm and blues he was blues i mean he was he was a multi we again forget that this guy was remarkably talented and um but yeah i agree buddy holly certainly borrowed from phrasing from elvis for oh, sure especially for that song yeah, yeah and yeah. you know i'm sure you'll put this on the spotify list but uh people when you listen to this one you're going to say wow oh my god that's buddy holly you know <laughs> Right, and it was it was not it was pre Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly. It was it was Elvis, and of course this is a song, this is one of the very few songs of Elvis that the Beatles covered, but not on any of their records. Um, this was only done on a BBC. They had a, re, a BBC show called From Us to You, and Harrison took lead vocals, and it's on the BBC. I should put it on the playlist too. The BBC Live album. Oh yeah, it's quite a good version. Good version. And uh, George on uh, lead vocals. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's because he's got that 
Harrison had a kind of a twang in his voice. He certainly, you know, he was influenced by the likes of Chet Atkins and, and the country guitar playing. And, and uh, so it, it kind of fit for him, I think. But it's it's a good cover. But I mean, look at Elvis's version. And I agree with you, Tony. It's one of my favorite titles of all time. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, it's always nice when we can tie Elvis and the Beatles together like this. I, I love that. Always, 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 always. You know what? I could add it to the playlist as we speak. Oh, perfect. So, you know, another fantastic road trip, Aaron. Uh, this one was a little different and uh, always good to go international like we did, but uh, <laughs> good to be home as well. And, uh, you know, thanks again, folks, for taking the time to listen to us and uh, keep sharing the show and keep spreading love. And, uh, you know, we will keep moving onwards and upwards and keep bringing you great content. I think that's because uh, uh, we're going nowhere. We're in this for the long haul. Well, that's our pledge to you, right, Tony? Oh, you bet. So, uh, Aaron, you have a great week as well, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Well, that's a short week, so you have a great week too, okay? Yeah, I will do. All right, thanks, folks. Thanks for listening to our road trip. The music was by Rick Denis. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. That way you'll be the first to know whenever we release a new episode. How else can people help, Aaron? They can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our website. And if you think we're worth the five stars, please leave us a review. Thanks for hitting the road with us today, and we'll see you again soon.